Warning, the following contains spoilers for the movie Legend. You have been warned. And I'll just add in that it starts out not too spoilerific, but as we really dive into it, you're going to want to either stop this episode and go watch the movie or watch and hear some major plot points. But let's not forget, this is a movie based on real people. So it's kind of hard to say that they're spoilers when they actually happened. Indeed. Hello, Mixed Nut Kisses. This is Nuke Joss. And today we've got an extended dinner and a movie for you because we watched the movie Legend from 2015 and we want to talk about it. So with me, as usual. Hi, I'm Tech. I will be playing the role of Tech and also his evil twin brother, Neck. Neck. <laughs> and our guest. I think I'm Sonorous Vox, but I'm not too sure anymore after that intro. Are you Are you Sonorous Vox and Batman? No. You are Sonorous no. Vox. And I'm just one person. Twin... I'm just not sure who it is. And his evil twin brother, Vonorous Socks. Vonorous Socks. <laughs> I'm not sure either of them was the evil twin brother. I mean, I think they were both evil. I think they were both twins. Um, They were definitely brothers. They were definitely brothers. Well, the actual characters. So what are we talking about? We are talking about the movie Legend, which is a bio of the... um or a part of um, the life of the Cray twins, uh, identical twin gangsters, Ro Ronald and Reginald Cray, um, real life gangsters from London in the 1960s. A lot of what we know about gangsters and in crime and organized crime in London um, in our fiction come from these guys lives. And Tom Hardy plays both of them. Can I try to give a 30-second plot synopsis? Please do. Okay. So, if you've ever watched a Guy Ritchie movie and you are enamored with this sort of this British gangster vibe that they got going on and you want to know where it comes from, it's from the Cray brothers and their real-life story of them trying to take over London in the 60s. And if you know nothing about the Cray brothers and you want a really good primer, watch this movie. Hmm. Yeah. No, you know, I think that's fair. It also stars Emily Browning's eyes. Yes. Oh gosh, Emily Browning, <laughs> I love you so much. Um, it, it it it's it's also a testament to what a good actor Tom Hardy is, and why do we keep covering his face? Uh, there's no reason for that. <laughs> he, he, there's a lot of times throughout the movie where I have to remind myself that it's the same actor. Now, this movie, yeah. there was a movie, and I haven't seen it. I'd love to dig it up. But in, I think it was like 81 or something I saw, that there was another movie about the craze starring the twins from Spando Ballet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> right? Don't you just want to dig that up? Oh. As, as, a, <laughs> as a fan of Spando Ballet, I'm trying to imagine the, to cut a long story short, I lost my mind guy. Playing the Cray twins. Oh, man. Oh. No, no, no. Guys. Because <laughs> they were actual twins in that band. Right. I yeah. Just, I just, I'm not, I just, I, 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 that's a, that's a, I have to see it to believe it. But then again, you know, like, like Vox mentioned, you know, this, this movie's got Emily Browning in it, but it also has a heck of a lot of other people. Oh, yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, mm. so the two names, the two names that come off the top that I really want to talk about is that, one, when the, so this is, takes place in 1967 or so, when the mob is starting to build up Vegas and they want to expand into London. So the Vegas mob brings over, uh, brings over a, uh, a spokesperson to talk mm -hmm. to try to negotiate a deal for the underside of London. And who did they get to play? Chaz Palminteri. Palminteri? Mm -hmm. Palminteri? How do you say his name? Palminteri. Palminteri. Okay. Uh, peace be unto him. Oh, did he pass? Uh, just recently, I think. Oh, that's sad. Didn't he? I don't think so. Am I, am I, am I thinking of somebody else? No, you're thinking of someone else. Yeah, Chess still alive. He is alive. Oh, who was I thinking of? I somebody, some, some gangster actor's dead. Anyway, not Chess. <laughs> no, not Chess. Yay. This is, this is Mr. Abronxtail himself. Yeah, it's Mr. Abronxtail himself. Yeah. Who, who, for, but not playing a New York mobster because he's from the Philly mob, he says. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Movie. And yeah, so he goes to London, and um, the the rival. Uh, no, was, was he the cop? Yeah, and the yeah, cop the cop. That, yeah, the, the cop. The cop that's chasing them down is Christopher Eccleston, the doctor the himself, Doctor Nine himself. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then so 
one of the things uh one of the things that stands out in the movie for me too is um uh Ronnie Crane mm-hmm. is gay and it's not played for it's not played for any type of um it's not hyped up it's not played for laughs it's not played for anything in the, anything other than it's just who he was mm-hmm. and part of his character and you're you're talking about people that were in the movie one of his uh one of his uh boyfriends mm-hmm. is Taron Egerton Exy yes. Exy himself Exy himself which yeah. by the way wasn't shown in the film mm. but um on his deathbed Reggie Cray does say that he murdered him Mm. Okay. That 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 Reggie murdered mm. Teddy. Yeah. But there's um yeah. the, 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 their sexuality is um interesting and uh, there's there's so much mystique around these two men, not just mm-hmm. in the movie which is done wonderfully well, but in the real life story that depending on which autobiographer or which biographer you read from or or which of their friends it's that both twins were gay or both twins were bi or one was bi and one was gay or the other was gay and the other was bi or, you know, whichever. And there's a lot of, you know, up in the air because they both had one of the things that the movie ignores is that um, Ronnie, um, Ronnie uh, had a longstanding uh, relationship with a woman. Yeah. Which the movie just completely glosses over. Mm. I think that would be too complicated for a two hour movie. That yeah. You have this guy yeah. in a relationship with a woman and be gay at the same time. So they, they yeah. kind of just focused on, you know, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, this is a thing from his real life as well. And that I thought the movie did this brilliantly that he never hides it. No, no. Well, I was, I, I was going to say the closest to a laugh they ever got or to to playing it uh, to a, a, a laughing moment was when he says to Ch- uh, Chaz's character, the, the American mobster is like, yeah, I get you any woman you want. Any, any of this, like you're going to be drowning, like drowning in women. And he's like, I prefer boys and the gangster pauses for a moment and then laughs and says the brass on you for saying that. And it genuinely he's being who he is openly, not because he's got a reputation because that's who he was. He just was openly about that. And that's the closest you would get to a moment where it could be seen as as funny when it's not really funny. It's just, it's not made yeah. to be funny. It's just a kind of funny moment. It's, it's so. not a joke at the expense yeah. of him being gay. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think um so what I had read is that, you know, I mean, obviously growing up, there was a lot of hiding of it. And mm-hmm. uh the the both brothers were boxers and like their coaches have have talked about how good they were as boxers. And they think that a big part of it was channeling all of that rage from not being accepted and and being gay and everything into the fight. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's not that in real life they were out and proud and and telling everybody I'm gay, I'm bi, I I, I like boys, I like girls, I like whatever. It was more everybody in their lives knew, everybody that worked Mm -hmm. with them knew, and that specifically they told their families and and their friends like there's there's accounts of talking about telling mom dad and brother charlie who we never see in the movie but they do have an older brother charlie as well um and um but we also don't see in the movie is reggie's relationships with men of which there were many mm-hmm. and not just in prison but pre and post right. you know this time i think the a big reason for this is like you said too complicated to this to that the story is being told by Reggie's wife. Played yeah. by Emily Browning. Played by yeah. Emily Browning, who in reality, they had all, were only married for eight months. Yes. Yeah. Which they cover. They, that's the timeline yeah. that the movie covers mm-hmm. because she's the narrator. Yeah. So it's, the, yeah. it's her perspective. Right. Yeah. So the, the time that they are a couple yeah. is the time that we follow in the movie. And I, there's a lot of, there's a lot of negative reviews. On, on the Rotten Tomatoes and on other sites where people say that, uh, that that scope was too narrow and that they didn't like that view from the narrator, that they wanted more of the story. And what it really sounds like is a lot of people put their fingers in their ears, did not know that these were real people. And yeah. it's like, well, yeah. it's too narrow. And it, you know, it wasn't, you know, 
he should, you know, whoever made this movie should have, uh, what's his name, uh, Brian Brian Helgeland, should have watched a couple more Scorsese movies before and learned how to make a real gangster flick. It's like, this isn't a gangster <laughs> flick. It's a biography. Yeah. I mean, it is a gangster flick, but it's not a fictional gangster flick. Yeah, yeah it, exactly. It's a biography of a yeah. real person, of real people. It, it also coincides with a very volatile period in their lives in that it was them ramping up a gang war right from the very start. It was the first time that uh, was well, not the first time. But it was one of the times that one of them ends up in prison. It's it's ver- a lot happens in this small section of their lives. Yeah. So it's it is a good period to pick. There are certainly other periods in their lives that were interesting enough that could have had a movie around them, or you could have done a an epic Scorsese style movie about their lives. But I think this serves well in that it's you get to know who these guys were in a very concentrated way. And it probably serves it better than if they had tried to go too long because maybe there were long periods of time where nothing really happened that was different. Right. So, yeah. And, and, and the director, by the way, um, to give you an idea of the feel or the vibe of being able to tell a story in just a couple of years kind of a thing. Um, this is the same director that directed payback. And L.A. Confidential. Mm. So when I hear that, I'm like, okay, I can kind of get that vibe. I can kind of get that vibe that makes a lot of sense. Payback being one of my only, one of the only Mel Gibson movies I'll ever watch over and over again. So, Oh, is that Mel Gibson? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, no, I was getting it confused. What's the Liam Neeson one? Taken? Taken. That's right, yeah, the particular set of skills, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Payback Payback is the guy he's just released out of prison and he he just wants, and he comes home and... He just wants... $35,000, $35,000, I believe yep. it is, okay. that he is owed for a job. Mm-hmm. And nobody believes that that's how little he wants and the oh, lengths yeah. he goes to for it, which is awesome. That's funny. Yeah. Um, one, so we're talking about the great cast of this movie. Yeah. We, we got to talk about the, the man of the hour, the men of the hour here. Yes. Mm. In that the, the two brothers, they are identical twins, but one is the face and one is the heavy. Whereas, you know, Ronnie is, oh, sorry, Reggie is the businessman. He is the face of the business. He's the club owner. He's the guy that's trying to expand the empire. Ronnie is diagnosed paranoid schizophrenic. He should be on medication. He uh, is moderately unhinged, a lot more violent, and is the he's the guy swinging the hammer at the command of his brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's also, oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. They are very different personalities but they're being played by the same actor. And one, it's edited beautifully. The conversations between the two of them feel fluid and very natural. And the fact that being able to play identical twins and give them individual personalities with, you know, affectations, vocal inflection. um, Like at, at first I felt that, you know, the fact that Ronnie wore glasses and Reggie didn't, I thought that that was so I could tell the two of them apart on camera until Nutty, you showed me that no, Ronnie did wear glasses. Yeah. Um, so and he wore the same ones that that are in the film. Okay, but I think that even without the glasses, because there's a couple scenes where yeah. they're not wearing them, that you can figure out which brother's which, and it's it's pretty obvious. Yeah, I kind of want to know, like, did Tom Hardy wear a prosthetic? Because you would see more bottom gum when he was Ronnie than when he was Reggie, or was it just the way he was holding his mouth? Because he did kind of have like more puffed out cheeks and he did have like a different way of saying things and holding his mouth and making different facial expressions. He was really like either clenching his teeth or worrying his jaw or there was a, there was a lot of like muscular definition in his jaw. But all the filming for all the scenes were done on the same day. So he would do the brothers uh, scenes, all the brother scenes that had more lines, and then he would do the same scenes over again as the other brother. So we would go through the whole day of filming as one brother, and then the second half of that day of filming as the other brother. And so there really wasn't like anything super permanent that he would have been able to do. Right. It's not like a prosthetic. Or yeah. It, or, or something that would have yeah. been, you know, something that would have taken seven hours in the makeup chair. Right. It could have been something that he just put in his mouth or maybe it was just the way he held his mouth. I don't know. It was, it was also the little things like the, uh, the way he walks. He has a different gait with the yep. both of them. He carries his, his, his body in general, like shoulder, uh, his shoulders. You can see the difference in the way he carries them and stuff. He, he did a lot of work to give them very distinct lives and that on screen. Really, and that really annoys me 
that but he's that good that he's that good <laughs> yeah. okay he's playing two villains yeah. in this movie of some of the like scariest villainy i've seen on film because it's real yeah when when ronnie walks into the pub with a hammer you know legit felt afraid i did at that point in the movie especially when reggie's just downing a pint calmly talking to the guys who are right, about right, to right. So, <laughs> so but so brian helgeland can get this type of uh performance out of tom hardy and make this legit scary pair of villains but yet chris nolan gets tom hardy <laughs> and we get i was born okay 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 i came i came armed for this by the way i came armed for this because i saw a clip recently where tom hardy explained that it was his choice to do that voice was it Yes, because he he said that um, Bane, it, it, the quote that I have here is, Bane is quintessentially Latinx in origin, and I am not. So I looked to the concept of, uh, or I looked for people that had similar heritages, and he found a man named Bartley Gorman, who was a Romani gypsy, and he used his voice as the inspiration. He saw interviews with him and everything, and, so, and used his voice. It, it's it's it, not he wanted it's not he wanted, just not the voice I'm mad at. It's the whole a yes. traveling Romani. You mean? I'm quoting him. Oh, okay, you're quoting I am him. Okay. Quoting him here. Like, how do you use both words? <laughs> you use the right word and the no, wrong no, word. I understand. I do understand. Okay, but yeah. But it's, so he, it's, it's your he quoting took him. Okay. Yes, he took him. You got to make you got to make yes. sure the listeners know that. Okay, so he used he used he used um a an affectation from a, a real individual. And from, uh, from that. And then, yeah, they amped it up a little, but his, his, the other thing he said is there's two things that, that they could do. They could go down an arch Darth Vader route, as they called, as, uh, as he said, where it's very flat and neutral. It may be menacing, but it's neutral. Or they could go with something that was a little bit more amped up as a voice goes. And he went that road. He acknowledges it was divisive, but there are people that absolutely love it. And that's why he's happy he made the decision. To he be fair, pitched it to Christopher to Nolan. To be fair, I've also heard from, is it Tessa Thompson? Yeah, I think it's Tessa Thompson is the actress. The, the actress who played Kendra and Buffy, that yeah. that they worked with a dialect coach, and that is a specific Jamaican accent. And 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 every every person I've ever heard from Jamaica comment on it is like, no, you didn't. <laughs> but this is so. The thing is, it was Tom Hardy's choice as much yeah. as it was Christopher Nolan's choice in that case. In defense of Christopher Nolan, because the guy usually does very good things. But, but the thing <laughs> is, is that you know, I never once, I never once felt afraid, or I never once really believed in Bane as a villain. Yeah, compared to how he is in like I, the Arkham games or the comics, I just, I didn't like. I, yeah, I think he was. He they nailed the intelligence of yes. Bane. Yes. They nailed the planning, the those those elements that make him one of the scariest Batman villains of all. But they the voice throws you off because as I will always call him, he's Deckard Bane. Stay a while, Batman, and listen, listen. as I talk to you <laughs> about the stories of the, Gotham's past. Yes. From the Diablo video games. Yes. Yes. Very, yes, stay a while and listen <laughs> to the dark. Um, <laughs> May I identify the broken elements of your spine for you? <laughs> but I legit legit believed mm -hmm. you know what was going on on the screen like the performance that tom hardy gives as the cray twin is amazing and to people who haven't seen this movie it's worth it just to watch this performance and the editing my gosh the editing the, the editing the fight scene between the two brothers when they finally when their relationship builds to a head and tempers flare and they have a fight there's, there's, it's always tricky when you've got the same actor playing the same role on TV or movies. Right. And there are some that have done it very well and some that have done it very poorly. I'm going to go back to another Buffy reference. I was blown away when I was like, wow, I can't believe that they, that they did that one twin episode with Xander and it was so believable. And then you found out, no, they didn't. They used his real life twin brother. Um, <laughs> I can't. 
and it was just, it was none of the camera trickery. But this was even more convincing than that episode of Buffy where it was two people. Like this was amazing. This was um leaps and bounds above Orphan Black, who is was my standard for being able to do this kind of camera trickery. Um they were amazing. And not only did they do some amazing shots like this, they did continuous shots. When they go into the club, it's five minutes 40 seconds one shot he's walking into the club with his first date with francis he walks into the club with her he he has her sit down and then he goes into the back he beats somebody up he comes back he talks to all these different people and it's one shot following him one take on top of that they used almost no sets these were all real locations actual locations from his history kind of preserved or restored or whatever and everything was done in 50 days. All the shooting was done in 50 days. Wow. Mm-hmm. It is insane. Like the, the cinematography is beautiful. The, the way they framed it is really good. Now, according to, uh, people that knew them, um, almost everything is, while there's little inaccuracies about like timelines and a couple of little things, um, mostly the only big inaccuracy is that uh, all the people that knew them said that, um, Reggie would not have physically assaulted his wife. He would have emotionally abused her, but would not have physically abused her. And that both of the brothers were very protective of women in that way. That was kind of a standout. But, um, I mean, how much of amongst that is, people? But yeah, how, how much of that is family protecting family, though? Right? I, I don't know. I'm just saying. But, this is what it said. This is this yeah. is what people had said. But I think also, if you think about it, story wise. How do you depict somebody tearing away at another person's soul? Yeah. And destroying them. You, you, does it matter if it happened or not? He, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Yeah. So. And you, you have to, you have to concede story in that case sometimes. Yeah. Like, um, we're, it's a very visual medium. You need a very, you need a visual representation a lot of the time, mm-hmm. as bad as it is. Yeah. Um, I will but, say the way that that, as much as I hate those kinds of scenes and I really hate how people use them to exploit and they do it, you know, oh, we need to, to, to give some extra emotion to Harley Quinn. So let's make sure that she gets sexually assaulted. It's like, no, you don't need to do that. Um, but a lot of other movies and TV, they do it in such an exploitive way. They show you everything. Whereas in this one, we saw very little. Yeah, the the mm-hmm. so-called gore porn. Yeah, of, yeah. Of which, for a movie with a lot of ultra violence in it, like we're talking, you know, like like gang gang fights, like street fights with weapons and guns, and yeah. this movie's not that violent. And, and and you didn't see it in that scene. Like there was very little that you saw because the camera pans out and you hear s- sounds of a struggle, but it's not very explicit. But you know what's happening, right? And. I, I know we remarked this when we watched the movie together and we watched that scene, mm. how well done that was. That yeah. they chose, they made a conscious decision to not exploit the thing. Yes. And this goes back to the Ridley Scott thing about the alien. The monster you make up in your mind is scarier than the monster you see on film. So not showing it. And and you don't need to show things no. to convey yeah, it, the impact. You don't. It's, yeah. it's, it's like, it's like, Negative space in art and design. Yeah. Negative space conveys so much, well, so much because your mind fills in what's important about that. Um, and yeah, and I, I think that's one of the many decisions in this movie, uh, that, uh, that is a highlight of how, uh, how well shot, how well planned and how aesthetically, um, gorgeous this movie was. Yeah. It was because, really well done. Like from every little decision down to like from, the way they light the streets and that very sixties vibrant, just coming to life kind of, you know, it, it evokes the feeling of a, of a country that is finding new life, mm-hmm. you know, post-war, the country's finding new life. Everything's, everything's starting to get big and bright and beautiful to the decision of the car that Reggie buys for uh, the buys for Francis. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, um, that Cher- yeah. cherry, cherry red trans- yeah. uh, spitfire. Yeah. Like all those little aesthetics, aesthetic choices. It's, it's as, as dark as the subject matter is, the movie is gorgeous. Right. Yeah. And that's a good contrast 
that you yeah. uh, to maintain. Um, and you know, a lot of this movie takes place in nightclubs. It's about nightclub owners and the, the yeah. stuff that goes on in there. So there's a lot of music. Mm. There's a lot of singing, and you know, the the choice of song, the choice of of uh, you know, the, the way the sets, the makeup, the the costumes, everything is is absolute picture perfect. The one thing that's weird is you have an actress like Emily Browning. Who is known for her voice? As a matter yeah. of fact, you know she did a bunch of the songs in the soundtrack for Sucker Punch, and then you don't get her to sing in your movie. <laughs> uh, a movie with so much music in it, and she's not the one singing it. But I mean, she no, wouldn't it's have. Joan Collins. <laughs> she wouldn't have held a candle to Tom Hardy as as Ronnie getting up on stage with that trombone and just oh, absolutely giving out a belter. <laughs> oh, that was funny. Oh, it was so good. And, and you know, we, we mentioned the cast. Um, we mentioned that, uh, you know, a bunch of – there were a bunch of uh, really big people that were just small roles, like um, Paul Bettany mm-hmm. was in this as one of the other gangsters. Chaucer? and Yes, Chaucer, Vision. And then um, uh, I'm probably going to mispronounce it, uh, David Thewlis. Uh, many people would know him as Remus, Remus Lupin uh, from the Harry Potter movies. Uh, there there were just like so many people that were involved. And I had not heard anything about this. I had heard somewhere that like, yeah, Tom Hardy does this really great role where he's playing more than one thing. I heard that before. Um before Venom, by the way, I really think the whole time I was like, man, he really got this character work of playing down two people at the same time really well in this movie. That totally prepared him for Venom, which is just fun. But um I had not heard anything. The reason we watched this movie is I saw like a quick uh little video of one scene and I was hooked. And I, I showed that scene and we'll reference it um when I talk about what meal I'm pairing this with. Um but I had not heard of this. Apparently, for in the UK, this film is now the top grossing British film that is 18 rated, which is like RR rating. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, it was train spotting. So this has made more money than train spotting now, mm-hmm. which is just insane. That is so wild. And yeah. I'd never heard of this. Yeah, considering the cultural relevancy of train spotting in that era. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an achievement. Uh, another actor that shows up in there that, uh, that made, that I didn't make the association with mm. is, uh, Frank, uh, Francis's brother, by the mm-hmm. Frank and Francis. Okay. Yes. And their uh, dad Frank, is also Frank. Uh, Frank is played by the, uh, the same actor that played Merlin in the TV series, Merlin, Colin Morgan. Yeah, I the old, there's a BBC Merlin oh. TV series. Yeah, I haven't, uh, yeah. But he is the guy that played Merlin mm-hmm. in there. So another, another, Within, you know, within those, oh, those circles, yeah. well known actor. Now yeah. that I'm thinking about it, man, how old is he now? Cause that's an older show. Morgan. Uh, he's 37. Yeah. Late 30s. Oh, I guess he was really young in that. Okay. And he was yeah. in Kenneth Branagh's Armagh because he is Irish. Yeah. He's, he's from Armagh. Well, he's playing somebody Irish. Their last name's Shay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, when you go to when you go to Colin Morgan's uh, Wikipedia page, it goes for the Canadian judoka. See Colin Morgan parentheses judoka. Okay, <laughs> good to know. Good to know. Um, I, I there's a lot more information that like I have been obsessed reading about these guys since there. I've read a bunch of stuff. A lot of what's in the movie is based on a biography. Hmm. That was written about them. And that biographer has come out with like additional information that he did not publish because he wanted all of the brothers to be dead, all three of them, before he shared anything. Hmm. We're not going to go into it. You can Google that on your own, but let's just say it's some Game of Thrones stuff. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, there's some Game of Thrones stories going on. Uh, But there's like also a lot of stories about how uh, Reggie was with other people all throughout his relationship with Francis that, um, everything really messed him up. And according to his, uh, former cellmate, yeah, that's the word, a cellmate and lover, uh, that Reggie had confessed one night that Ronnie told him that he had killed Francis and that she didn't kill herself. He had killed her because he was jealous. And I, it makes you wonder, did he actually do it? You know, did he whatever? Or did he tell Reggie that so that Reggie wouldn't blame himself? Yeah, could be. Yeah. 
That's the noodle scratcher, right? But that's the that that's the thing. And then if you read other biographies, they say different things. Yeah. And the brothers themselves said different things. And all of their friends now have all gotten like, like GQ articles and things. And everybody's talked about this. Um, and that's the that's the thing with these stories. I mean, the, yeah. These these were at the end of the day, they they were just guys, you know. They were with just, a good ten years, and then they were in prison the rest of their lives. Right. But the thing is, is that they were people. They had you know, they had friends. They had enemies. They had good. They had bad. They were complicated. They were people. But the lives that they lived were so big and had such an impact. And now they've been turned into these Paul Bunyan style yes folk heroes that you, you know. It, it's the type of thing where I watched him use a green hanky once, and now forever he will be tied to the green hanky because he was seen by one guy using it once. You know, like that type of like folklore. Yeah, uh, takes on. So some people say something, other another guy says mm-hmm. something else because he saw something different, and it's now impossible to tell the myth from the fact almost. Right. And uh, I think the movie does a good job mm. of trying to pare that down while keep some of the mystery um there's very little the movie had to make up very little yeah mm-hmm. and i i don't think there's a lot i think that some of the timelines get kind of squished because you normally have to yeah do that in a movie. some of the timelines get squished and some of the interactions um like at one point there's a uh there's a fight where one guy gets beat up but in reality he got killed. And uh you know in re- you know they went and they got revenge and they beat up a guy while in reality they went and killed that guy. You know, so there's a a lot of the 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 movie devices in order to keep from having to get new characters. Some people mm-hmm. live a little bit longer and other people don't live as long. So th- I think that's the only time that they sort of messed with reality. Yeah. Other than that it's pretty accurate to what really happened? It's really, and it tells the story, and that's the point, right? It's to tell the story. And what I like about it is what everybody hates about it is like, oh, that's a bad ending. Everybody goes to jail. That's a bad ending. There's no, like, redemption. There's none of this. It's like, well, that's life. That's and honestly, I don't want them to have a good ending. They're terrible people. But what I think is really interesting is the way that it's framed, or the way it seemed framed to me, is that and we made a joke about evil twins. There was the stable brother. Reggie was the stable mm-hmm. one. And yeah, he was a criminal, but he had a good head on his shoulders and he was just trying to keep everybody in line. And he was nothing like his brother. But in reality, the moment Francis goes, and I, I just realized we've already spoiled this. So hopefully you, 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 you stopped listening. I'm going to have to do like a disclaimer or something. Uh, <laughs> but, um, uh, from the moment Francis is gone, suddenly Reggie is the unstable one and yeah. he is able to that switch flips so quickly for him mm-hmm. that he is so much more quick to violence, so much more, mm-hmm. um, unthinking of other people's feelings or existence or anything. And he is just rage and violence even more so than Ronnie ever yeah. was. Yeah. I mean, and he also doesn't care about the children of Nigeria. Yes. <laughs> like uh, Ronnie, wa- Ronnie in it, Ronnie wants to go to, uh, Ronnie wants to take a bunch of money, go to Nigeria to a city that I believe, what is it? What is it? It's Utopia. Utopia. Is what the name means. Yes. Yes. And he wants to help the children of Nigeria by, in yeah. some way. So it's one of his, one of his, uh, it's a way to demonstrate that he's not quite there. Yeah. It, it, and it that is- his business acumen is lacking. But even then he cared he cared in his own way. Yeah. Um, by the way, apparently the director got the idea um, when he was working on a different, he was going to do a, a movie about Led Zeppelin and he had been accompanying Jimmy Page and Robert Plant on their world tour. And he noticed that one of their entourage was missing a finger. And when he asked how he lost his finger, he was told that the craze cut it off. And so he went and fell down the rabbit hole. And I think that's a great way of like, cause honestly, how could you not hear about this story and not want to do something with it? You know, there are just so many really, I don't know. There's something very compelling about the story. There's something, uh, tech, you want to explain the, the, their whole military service? <laughs> Yeah, their military, their honorable military service lasted minutes. Um, the thing is, is that, uh, in, um, in Britain in the fifties, there was mandatory service, um, in the territorial army for everyone. And 
it was it was well known for its rather strict and severe um, basic training. The boot camp was was rather brutal, but you had to take boys from um, across the country and mold them into an army, and you had to do it fast. So that was done in the fifties. That was done violently. Well, you have two ex amateur boxers who take guff from nobody who joined the army, and within minutes they tried to walk out. And then it's just this, like, gag. It's like a gag reel. It would make a great short movie of they were then apprehended, or there was an attempt to apprehend them. They beat up the cops. They beat up the army guys that come to get them. They eventually get dragged back to the stockade. They beat up a bunch of prison guards. Then they escape again. Then they get caught again. Then they beat up another cop. And then eventually they're up in front of the judge on charges, and the judge is like... Just get out. <laughs> they were dishonorably discharged, and apparently they couldn't handle somebody telling them what to do. Um, and and from what I read, it was that criminal record that prevented them from being professional boxers. Mm-hmm. That they couldn't be professional boxers with a criminal record. So let's just go crime, crime. But apparently, like their last their last night in uh military service because they were going to get you know they, they were going to get uh court-martialed and then they were going to get you know dismissed and sent to jail or whatever but their last night uh, they spent in jail and the prison guards were all other people that were in basic training as well that were just you know guarding the the thing to make sure that they didn't leave but apparently even then like their charisma was like so well known and these guys were such charmers that they they spent the night playing cards, eating sweets, and drinking tea with their prison guards because they were all chum pals. And they, they just wanted to pal around with the Kray twins before, you know, they left the next day. I mean, charismatic. And, you know, the yeah. whole time I'm watching this movie and, and I'm like, man, Reggie is charming. Reggie is charismatic. And you kind of want to be friends with Ronnie, but you're also kind of scared of him. And it's the same guy. And you're like, yeah. well, one's m- definitely more attractive than the other one, but it's the same actor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for reference, it was Ronnie that was more attractive. <laughs> was it? No, what it are you doing? I, I find, I found it to me, mm. to my straight eyes. Yes. Ronnie on his meds was a lot sweeter. Yeah. Yes. And that, yes. When he was on his meds. Yeah. yeah. And it was sincere. Yeah. And yeah, because he really legitimately cared about Frank. Yeah. And yep. he legitimately cared about a lot of people and a lot of things. He but was, then he'd go yeah. off his meds. So there's a scene when Francis is leaving Reggie and Ronnie is walking with her to the car. And she's like, you know, are you saying this? Are you trying to get me to stay? Do you, Or do you think I should stay with him? And it was like... And he just walks you to the car and there's always like this, this like feeling of jealousy that there's this tone of jealousy of Ronnie with Francis throughout the movie. But in the, um, in, in the, in the, when, so when Francis and Reggie are getting married, the, um, Everybody's starting to sing one of the songs and Francis's mom wore black to the wedding. Mm-hmm. She was an out and ru- out bitka. Um, and yes, I'm using all everything from Buffy because it's still in my brain, even though I don't want to give any credit to him. Uh, but it is, it is, you know, she is just, she is just the worst. Yeah. And everyone starts singing and mom's not singing. And Ronnie walks up to the mom and is like, you're going to sing now. And, and she starts singing because she's terrified. And you yeah. can see this little smirk on Francis's face because she's like, oh, I'm accepted. I'm one in the, mm-hmm. you know, he sees me as family. He's looking out for me now. Right. So when he's walking her to the car and he doesn't try to convince her to go back, I think is he's still trying to protect her. Oh, yeah. yeah. And also, that you need to leave this. Also, his interactions with their mother where he is just absolutely just, you know, he's oh. her darling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, that is very telling as well about how his, he's got those, that, that different persona, that sweetness to him when he's on his meds. Yeah. Um, yeah, that whole, that whole scene with the mother where she, you know, she, she's, she's their mother. They can okay. do no wrong. Right. And, you know, you're, they're sweet boys. Despite the fact that there's some awful going on around it and they're having a discussion about some of that. Yeah. yeah. It's. And, yeah. and 
I think that that's a, actually a really sweet part of the whole thing. And there's a lot of things that is, there's so much subtext in this that makes you think, well, what did they mean by this sort of a thing? And, and sometimes that can be infuriating. Like I don't want to play guessing games in movies. Like I don't want the, the movie director to think that they're smarter than me or to lay, you know, Oh, you didn't get it. I, I how could you not get it? I think this is done in a way that there is no right answer. And you could sit here and think, well, what did this scene mean? And whatever it is, whatever it meant to you is what that scene means. You know, making the art to be in the eye of the beholder here. Mm-hmm. So I I dig that about this movie. I think that it's um so well done, so well shot. It's a really good story. And it's fun. Like, there's a lot of really awful things that happen in this. But it's not a comedy. But it's fun. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You you have to uh you know Vox it's... was talking about balance before that if this movie was nothing but the ultra violence and the seriousness it would be very it'd be very yeah. dour it'd be hard to watch and they managed to they managed to break it up with a little bit of levity. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's those I mean, little moments. I mean, even even some of their crime is played off as a little comedic. So. Oh my gosh, that one bar fight. Mm-hmm. That one bar fight was I, so I, freaking. I came good. here expecting a gunfight. You're letting me down, gentlemen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot <laughs> I expected like a shootout. A western. Yes, a shootout like a western. There we go. Yeah. But um, <laughs> how how Reggie and Francis meet and their interaction with the candy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Played for a laugh. It was it was flirty. It was cute. It was you know you you could totally believe it. That that was their meat cute. And then he's throwing it. She's like, why are you throwing rocks at my windows? He's like, they're not. They're, they're sweet. Lemon sherbets. Lemon sherbets, right? Remember? Yeah. So, and the fact that the candy keeps reappearing throughout yeah. the movie because it's the it's a, it's like a thread in their relationship. And that was really cute. That was really funny and kind of gross. But uh, yeah, especially in the days of COVID. But. I think if I can try to, to try to wrap up or move towards a wrap up here, I think the worst thing about this movie is that I slept on it for eight years. I know. So I know. How did this come out in 2015? And I had no idea. Yeah. I don't know. And it's, 2015. It, it's not even like everybody in the world slept on it. I mean, all right, listeners, we need to know where are you? And had you heard of this movie? Have you seen this movie? Because, like, how did we sleep on this? How did nobody tell me? I mean, it made $43 million at the box office. I mean, it's not like it... It's it went... not... Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, so I was going to say, it's also not like it was a great year for movies. <laughs> I'm looking up the, I'm looking it up right now, the top movies from that year. Yeah. The popular movies. Creed? Yeah, I can see it. Creed was a great movie. Okay? Yeah. Southpaw. Don't know what that is. The Wave. Huh? The intern. The only reason I know that exists is because it popped up on Netflix yesterday. I don't know what that is. It's it's literally a it's a. It movie doesn't matter. Of, the the, the oh, whole yeah. point is I don't know what yeah. it is. No escape. Knock knock. Hidden. Hitman and Agent Forty Seven. These are the popular movies of that year. How did I not know about this movie? <sighs> this is one of those like cultural blind spot things, right? Yeah. yeah. This is wow, and um, I'm glad I've watched it. I don't yeah. know. It's not like we were doing anything in 2015, like major. It's not like you were overseas because I, I definitely have a blind spot and you have a blind spot for that. It's not like uh, we were moving. It's not like there was a pandemic, you 20, know. 2015 was the first year, though, that my job took me outdoors uh, for most of the year. So that could be it. One week out of every two, I was in an outdoor classroom teaching students. So. It's probably why we didn't see a lot of movies that year. That, and well, according to what Vox was saying, apparently all the movies that came out that year were hot trash. Uh, yeah. I mean, The Man from Uncle came out that year. That wasn't bad either. That we was saw that-, that, but we saw that yeah. on streaming. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And The Hateful Eight. Oh, was it that- the Adam Sandler one? Yeah. No, that's, no, that's Ridiculous Six. The Hateful oh. Eight was the Tarantino Western. Okay. No, I didn't watch that either. No. Like literally, I'm looking at this list and there's nothing, nothing that, that was big enough that, okay, maybe The Revenant, but I didn't watch that that year. Spectre came out. Okay. Spectre would have taken my attention away. <sighs> and The Martian, but I didn't watch that. Ant-Man. Oh, there we go. That's why Chappie came out that year. <laughs> Again, we watched that on, we watched that on, um, 
streaming. So yeah, I mean, it's it's it is it's it's an anomaly that this movie got missed, uh, and that's I think the 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 beauty of cinema is uh, the beauty of movies, and it is that there can be so many good sleepers hiding out there that you'll find years and years later that surprise you, and yeah. uh, it's wonderful for that, right? It's just yeah, September. Mm. Jupiter would have been Labor Day weekend or close to that, so that gives me reason. But uh, again, like I don't know. Also, apparently, a movie called Baskin came out that year. I didn't know Tiger King was already that famous. But then, oh, shut up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, you know, if you've seen this movie, let us know. I loved it. Uh, we are going to pair this up with um, Lemon Sherberts for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, or uh, from my favorite scene of the movie, I you know I have to pair this up with a pint of Guinness. Pint yep. of Guinness. Well, mm-hmm. I have to go to the ta- change the taps for. Yes, of course you got to change the taps. <laughs> so we're we saying lemon sherbets and a pint of Guinness. Sure, Absolutely. a cup of tea as well. You know we're gonna go, not quite go for the full English, but you know it's uh, it's good. Actually, I would pair that with um, one of my patented lemon cakes. Because I think that would be really good, mm-hmm. don't you think? Like make one of the, so it's it's a lemon cake with um imagine the filling from like lemon meringue or a lemon filled donut, right? Put inside the lemon cake with just a bit of powdered sugar on top. It mm. is very tasty, very refreshing. Hey Tech, how does it taste? It's pretty good. Yeah, and apparently, uh, there is one person listening to this that I am now making salivate just in memory because this person who is listening to us right now grabbed a tray of them at Balticod and ran away with them. This, this episode's for you, <laughs> but yeah, I would, I would pair it with lemon cakes and in, in honor of the lemon sherbets. And uh, yeah, I love this movie. I think that, you know, it warranted talking about because mm-hmm. I am that fascinated by it. And I'm, yeah. I'm fascinated by the Cray twins and and their story as well, and how, uh, you know, years and years of cinema and uh, TV show and book reading and things, you know, everything I watch that has like a British gangster character in it has been influenced by the lives. We wouldn't have Snatch without this. We wouldn't have six copies of Snatch in this house. And that's after we donated some. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, you know, you're right. And it's, it's, you know, the, the, you know, British gangster characters in other TV shows and things and the accents, the affectations that, you know, the, the types of persona they have. None of these characters would exist if it wasn't for the Cray twins and their real life story and this movie. Uh, you know, brought that to the fore, did an excellent job. I'm sad I slept on it for seven years. This thing is a treat. And um, mm-hmm. I disagree entirely with all the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, the pacing was inconsistent and the writing was bad. And I didn't like the narrator and it was too narrow of focus. It's, yeah, it's a real freaking, it's not a Scorsese movie. That's the point. You know what? It, uh, the fight scenes and the way that they did things and the way that they um, subverted your expectations and everything in these different scenes. You're going to laugh at me, but it kind of reminds me of, um, Billy the Kid and Young Guns. Okay. Like the way that they would set up those different fights and stuff. It's like, Oh, we're here for a shootout. Oh, I'm just going to walk through the door. I'm going to say a bunch of mouthy things. And then, you know, this amazing fight is going to happen. Like, and, and the fun part of that was in this movie. It just, it just came to me. So I just, I had to share that. And I, I love Young Guns, so as you two well know. <laughs> and we never saw Young Guns 2 with you two, right? Just the first one. All right, we need to watch the second one. But before we go, yes. did you see the size of that chicken? Did you see the size just, of that chicken? You just beat me to it because I was going to say that. You what? <laughs> you what? So while that one has that line, this one we have been saying, you what? Um incessantly at each other for the past was it week yeah yeah the, yeah, the legend drinking game drink every time there's a you walk you walk yes and then um get a liver transplant because yes, if, your liver's done by the end of that moment and, and if you want to play it in hard mode aka the full english do it with gin oh mm. Mm. <laughs> that that would make you hate gin and that would be a crime. Yeah, so a gin can be pretty good. A good gin can be really good. Excellent.
Yes, yes. All right, my friends. And on that note, we're off. We're off. We're off. And uh, t- please, again, let us know what did you think. We'd love to hear it. Yeah. All right. Have a good night. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. We want to thank our patrons without whom we would not be putting out two episodes a month and uh, we wouldn't be able to pay our server fees or any of the other good stuff. And most importantly, our butts would not be in the chairs. We probably would still be talking to each other, but we wouldn't be recording because we wouldn't know that anybody wanted to hear it. So thank you so much to our top tier, top big daddy patron. Thank you to Jax. Thank you to our other top tiers, Jason and Rich the TT. And I also want to thank our patrons of the arts. Thank you to Kaylin, Mark Cabot, the encaffeinated one, the bathtub mermaid, and Susanna. And thank you to all of our patrons without whom we, you know, you are the lifeblood. You are what keeps this show going, this shambling mess going. Thank you to Shane, Andy, Cliff, Greg, Harold, Hugh, Ian, Justine, Ken, Kinsey, Crazy Joe Adventures, Mike, Cat, Radical Geek, Stephen, Will, and Zachman. Thank you so much. Um, thanks for keeping it going. Nutty Bites is produced by Nimlas Studios under a Creative Commons Attribution No Commercial Non-Derivatives 3.0 International License. That means you can't change it without my permission. You can share it and send it to your friends. Just link back to me, my site, and everything. We live at nimlas.org, which has links to everything social media, including facebook.com slash group slash Nutty Bites and patreon.com slash nukejoss or call 347-Nutty42. 